start it up and let them horses sing a little pretty thing, a little tan leg Georgia dream. She's rocking them holy jeans. Baby, what you got going on Saturday? You know, words got it. It's gonna be welcome to this week's episode of Hey, I think we're good here. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jackson Metakekia. And I'm Matt West. And we're here getting to know the sport of volleyball through the life experiences our guests have to share with us. Come take a listen. Today's episode stars all-time great Husky, Krista Van Zandt. Krista is an AVCA Player of the Year, ESPN Woman Player of the Year, three-time All-American, ex-US National Team member, and the current assistant coach at Indiana University. On this episode, Krista talks about her upbringing as a tenacious gym rat, running an offense at the tender age of eight years old, always playing up in club and how it prepared her for the rest of her career, the pride, joy, excitement, and sense of failure she felt at the University of Washington, her defeating year abroad in Switzerland, what her short stint at USA Volleyball taught her, and her development as a coach. Listen to it right here. Baby, if you're in the mood, you can Chris settle for the No, what up? Hey, dude. How's it going? Good, how are you? Fantastic. Yeah? Yeah. Jackson, this is Krista. Krista, this is Jackson. Hey, Krista. Oh, yeah. Are you I'm... in quarantine as well? Because both of us are. Nope. I'm a free person. Lucky you. <laughs> as free as you can be. Are you in Indiana right now, or are you in Shoreline? I am in Indiana. Is it beautiful? It's gorgeous. It's fall already here. We got the leaves are changing. It's what is it? Is cool. it Bloomington? Mm-hmm. Look at you. Nice. That's, that's, that's it's called research. Research? What are you talking about, dude? I'm brilliant. It's knowledge. That's right. That's knowledge. Congrats on being married. Thanks. It was a, I'm stoked for you guys. You know, Jackson, she married a kid that I went to high school with. Oh, for real? Yeah. yeah. How'd you guys meet? Uh, he played baseball at Washington. And oh, cool. He played volleyball there. So, yeah. Small world. Yeah, really small. Tell me about it. He's a great dude. He's always been a great dude. He is. That is true. <laughs> well, Krista, welcome to our podcast. Thanks. This is awesome. I listened to two today in a row. It was like three hours of my day. I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to listen to them. This is way more better than doing anything else I was doing. So, what, Which ones did you listen to? I listened to Kayla's and Keegan's. Yeah, those uh-huh. are good ones. Keegan's oh. is pretty hilarious. It was a good one. I wrote down a bunch of notes from what he said because it was good. Very good. Wow. You are astute. Much more astute than I am. That's why I'm doing the podcast and you're the one being interviewed. Yeah, true. <clears throat> well, uh, let's get it going. I mean, the classic start is uh, how did you get involved in volleyball? Your mom is in volleyball, correct? Yep. Yeah, in- so I was like born in a gym, uh, basically. My mom played basketball at LMU um, and but played volleyball in high school and stuff like that. So when she coached basketball for a long time and then started to get into volleyball and I was basically born in a gym with a ball literally whether it was basketball or volleyball and I think my mom was tossing me balloons to learn how to pass when I was like two or three 
um, and teaching me my passing hands is what she used to call them. Um, and then they, she was my high school coach all throughout my career, but I started officially playing when I was eight years old on a 12 year old team. Um, and I was listening to Kayla and, uh, when she said she could make her serve, I could not make my serve. My mom used to pay me like five bucks if I made my serves over in tournaments. Um, and then I started to actually make them and I was like starting to just make bank, like just, just bring in the dough. And she was like, yeah, we're done with this. So I don't know if it lasted very long, but yeah, I started when I was eight years old. Wow. This must be a women's volleyball thing. I, it's really young. Yeah. Like eight, your, your arms are barely touching the bottom of the net. They have lower nets that the twelves. Oh, that's right. I forgot about it. I was like, man, how are you like covering court? How are you covering area? You don't. You serve. If you can serve it in, you're going to win because that's all you have to do. That's true. You make a good point. Did you do, <laughs> like, were you, do you remember being eight and playing now and being like, what the hell am I doing out here? Or you just have to kinda, play I, I kind of do. I feel like I wasn't very good. And no I was and I was playing with twelve. I mean, I was playing with kid, girls that were like four years older than me, and so uh, now I sat in the back row and I played middle in the front row, which might be the dream. You sat? Oh, I sat until I was like twelve or thirteen. As an eight-year-old, you were setting balls. Don't don't mess with these puppies. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was a setter and uh, and played middle in the front row, so that was solid. We were not good. I remember my first game ever. I think we lost like 25 to six and we could barely rotate. We didn't know what was going on, but you know, it is what it is. It was, it was cool. How many years did you play 12s? Uh, three or four, I think. Um, I was always the youngest. So I played, I think three, and then I played two or three at 14s. Then I played one at 16s and I played four years at 18s. So I started at 18s when I was a freshman. So I stayed with that same coach and club throughout all of my 18s. I can't get over the fact that you're studying at eight years old. The ball Are you studying at eight years old, Matt? The ball's literally <laughs> as big as your head. They have white balls too, don't worry. That's a miracle. <laughs> That's incredible. Your hands must be huge at eight years old. It's like, oh, I can handle this. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. So then, when did you start? When did you transition to becoming an outside? Uh, when I moved to 14, so I think I was in sixth grade, seventh grade. I was in seventh grade. No, sixth grade, sorry, sixth grade. So you were 12? Mm -hmm. Do you feel like having the knowledge of studying helped you as an outside as you got older? Um, yes and no. Um, I don't think when I was a setter, I don't think it was real. Like it wasn't like I was running an offense. It was like, I'm going to set my friend cause she's good and I want to score points. Um, that's one way to set though. True. That's a good offense, yeah. I guess. That's uh -huh. Matt's college career. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know if I had a real sense of an offense. I think I just loved the game. So I think maybe volleyball IQ wise, it might've helped whatever the volleyball IQ is of a 12 year old, but, um, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to play 24-7. Literally, that's all I wanted to do was play. Were you playing any other sports at that time? 
when I started volleyball, I was playing soccer and basketball. Uh, my mom really wanted me to play basketball since that's what she did. Uh, but I fouled out, I think, almost every game. So it was contact sports are just not for me. Um, and soccer, I liked it, but I, I just loved volleyball. Like volleyball was just better. It was just more fun for me. Um, so I quit that. I mean, it was just AYSO soccer, like rec league. Like it wasn't like anything serious. And then uh, my mom was like, you got to pick. I was like eight. I'm like, mm, okay, volleyball. And then stuck with it. She made you make that choice at eight. Well, we were driving like 30, like an hour to practice, like both ways to like get to volleyball, to get to soccer, to get to whatever. And um, it was, it was just too much at that time. So I picked volleyball and rolled with it. At least you loved it. I loved it. I wanted to play 24 seven, literally like I had a ball at my house. I would like lay on my back and like set to myself and in bed watching TV. I would set, try to set for the whole commercial break without letting it drop. Like I was, I just loved it. What a volley dork. I am a volley. I still am a volley dork. <laughs> I'm a nerd. Oh my God. On our last podcast, Jackson and I were the ones being interviewed. My mom made me make that choice at 16. Oh, well that's nice. She's like, yeah, I mean, she guided me to that choice. She made the choice for me. Let's be real here. But, yeah, eight years old. Wow. Well, good for you. You made the right choice. Picked the right one. A very mature eight-year-old. When, when did you start thinking in, like, I want to play in college? Uh, probably, like, seventh, eighth grade. Um, I got my first college letter in seventh grade, or what the first thing they can make correspondence with you would back then i don't even remember the rules Those questionnaires camps camp oh camp brochures it was a questionnaire and a letter saying we can't really talk to you but we want to send you this questionnaire and it was from kansas i believe or michigan state those were kind of the first two um and then i was like oh i can kind of i could do this in college that's kind of cool like i didn't even realize back then but it was probably seventh or eighth grade i was like okay like this is getting kind of serious but I was playing 16s at that time, so all my teammates were getting recruited and stuff like that. So I kind of started to see it, and I was like, all right, cool. Let's, let's see what this is about kind of a thing. I have a question because I'm, yeah. I'm trying to put together physicality and age, and, like, girls are so much different than the guys. Yeah. So at 12, you were playing 16s? Mm -hmm. uh, I was, like, 13 playing 16s. 13 playing 16s. Mm -hmm. How tall were you? Uh, I was probably like five, eleven, six foot ish. Okay, that makes sense. I was like, man, that's like, that's a big jump. Yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, I always was bigger than everyone. So, I do just you remember like what the hardest transition was? Because from like fourteen to sixteen for the girls is a pretty big jump. Yeah, that was probably the hardest jump was from fourteen to sixteen, especially because I was only in seventh grade. Yeah. Nice. What, what was the hardest part? Do you remember? Like, was it uh, and like looking forward, was it also the same when you went to college? Like, what was the hardest part about that transition? I think it was. I think it's like, that's just the physicality, like you said. Yeah. Like, I'm, you know, felt like little compared to everyone else and um, playing against girls who are already committed to go play. I mean, the SoCal scene back then, I guess it still is pretty gnarly club-wise, you know, it's playing against trying to think of some big names from back then but like Natalie Haglin, Kelly Reeves like kids that are going to go play big places that are older than me um, but I'm playing with and against them so it's like 
Um, Fallon Fenoy-Moana was in that mix and she was physical and she could play and it was scary at times. Um, but it's similar when you're in college because you go in as an 18 year old and you're playing against women and you feel like you're a child. So um, you're like, I'm this is the first time away from my mom. I don't even know how to do my laundry. And then you're playing against like full grown, like, you know, women who have played in, you know, NCAA tournaments and stuff. So um, yeah, I think it is the same jump. I think it's all about physicality really. What were, some be- what were some benefits of playing with teams that were older than your age? Yeah, I think it prepared me going into college and what I wanted to do for my goals there. Um, I'm just never afraid um, of anyone. Um, I've overly competitive, like just as a human, like playing, I can't play card games or anything at all. Like I uh, get You're one of those. I'm one of those. Yeah. Um, so I think just teaching me all of those things, but then also humility because you can get humbled real quick when you're playing against people who are a lot older than you or have more experience than you. Uh, but I think the biggest thing is just being fearless and just going for it. Do you remember the first, like the first person that like worked you when you were 16, like when you played 16s? Yeah. Uh, oh, this one, this one was 16. So this was early 18. So like, Okay. In my freshman or sophomore year was uh, Kanani Danielson, yeah. who ended up going to play at Hawaii. I was like, holy moly, that's so – like, she's freaking good. Like, I want to be like that. But I just remember her – I think I played left back. I mean, it was an off blocker, and she drilled a ball, and I was just, like, so scared, like, going four to four. And I th- don't think I dug it because I don't think I was even close. But, uh, yeah, that, she was probably the first one. And I think it was at a qualifier, SoCal qualifier or something. And I was like, oh, my, Atlanta, what is this? Sick. Was your club team good? Yeah, we were good. We took second in open my junior year, um, 18 open. Um, and then my senior year, we went into JOs, like ranks, like we used to call it JOs back then, nationals. We went into nationals, uh, I think ranked like third in the country. And we ended up taking like 15. We just like tanked. We played terrible. Uh, but yeah, my, my junior year, we were pretty good. Um, we won SoCal. No. No. Oh, great. I was like, no, don't tell me my Wi-Fi just gave up on me. You paused for a second, but you're back. Uh, I was just about to say, Matt's out. Matt's uh, out. Um, <laughs> dude. Oh, you guys won the SoCal. Uh, what? What is it? I don't know what it's called for the girls. Is it the classic? Yeah, so we used to call it the SoCal Qualifier. Oh, I don't know if it's, it's different. It's in Vegas now. It's not even in California anymore. So the classic curse exists for the women, too. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> That's huge on the guy side. It's like if you win the classic, you're not winning jails. It's impossible. Not going to happen. Can't you go. Oh, gnarly. Who did you look up to the most when you were playing club? Um, Like college-wise? Probably, I mean, I watched a lot. So it was, it was Jordan Larson. It was uh, Alex Kleinman. Um, it was Luca. It was Crystal Morrison from Washington. I mean, I just watched the best outsides, and I just wanted to be like them at that point. Did you? You're a pretty okay. You're really humble, so you won't agree with me. But you were an exceptional receiver and an exceptional attacker. I'm going to take a wild guess and say your whole career. And 
did you always just take a lot of pride in being like, I can do both really well and like, that's fine. Like, I don't want to be that kid that can only kill everything or I don't want to be that kid that can only receive everything. Yeah, I think, well, I wanted to touch the ball as much as possible. So I wanted people to serve me. You sound uh, like a setter. But I also like spent a lot of time working on it. Like I would call Danny, who's the head coach uh, for the 18s at Rancho, the club I played at, and I would get go on like a Sunday morning and I'd go in and just pass like 150, 200 balls until his arm fell off and he couldn't make any serves anymore. I just wanted to play it. Like, and I knew that was the one weakness in my game was serve receive at that time. And so that was all I did was just work on that. Um, and then obviously attacking is fun, but like defense and passing were like my favorite things when I played. Like, I, I guess I was meant to be a libero. I don't know, but that's, that's what I like to do is pass and play defense. Cause no one expects the six, three kid to be able to pass and play defense at, you know, that level. So just wanted to surprise people, I guess. That's so cool. Great message for anybody listening. You can do it all. <laughs> Be fearless and go and surprise people. Those are the two things you can do. When did you when did you start getting like recognized as a top recruit? Mm, I honestly didn't pay attention to a lot of that stuff, but probably when you started getting like more letters than you freshman, uh, sophomore year of high school. Yeah. Uh, where it was when it started to kind of come in hot. Um and my mom was my high school coach. So like recruiting wise, coaches could call my mom because yeah. technically she's my coach. Um, and so she helped me a lot filter, not filter. That's the wrong word. Um, she didn't, she told me about things in a way that wasn't going to overwhelm me. Right. Like she wasn't going to, she made sure she spread them out. So it wasn't like 15 a day or whatever. Um, she did a really good job with that. And she also reached out to schools on my behalf too. She knew if I was interested in, you know, Washington, for example, she reached out to Jim or she would, you know, do that stuff too, to help me out. Um, but every questionnaire I, I received, I, I filled out no matter what school it was. Um, she, that was one thing she was like, you're not gonna, you know, have a big ego when it comes to this. You're lucky. You're going to fill out every single one of these, um, no matter if it's a D3 school or if it's, you know, Penn state, you're going to, fill out every single questionnaire you get. Awesome. What schools did it come down to for you? Um, Washington, Penn State, um, and UCLA. Why? Arizona was in the mix, Arizona. Why, why yeah, why Washington? Um, there's so many good reasons for that. Uh, okay, then why not Penn State? Why not Penn State? It was just too far. And this was before Big Ten Network, before Pac-12 Network, any of that stuff. I wanted my parents to see me play. Um, I loved my visit there. Russ was great. Um, the atmosphere, the, the tradition, all that was there for me. Playing at the highest level, all that stuff. Um, it was just a little bit too far and too cold. <laughs> and um, too close to home. It was too close. It was, I, I don't know. I was, I was afraid my mom was going to show up to my dorm on a Wednesday and be like, yo. Um, no, it was just too close. And then uh, Washington was a good mix of both distance-wise. Um, and then getting to meet Jim and, and that kind of changed my whole perspective on recruiting in general. Um, and the family atmosphere, that program, the tradition they have, 
um, was just perfect for me. I remember on my visit, we watched, I think it was like the 09 highlight tape. They show the recruits on, on their visits. And my mom looked at me and she goes, they play like you play. And I was like, oh, they kind of do play like I play. Like energy wise, you know, passionate, you know, competitive, all that stuff. I was like, oh, yeah, that's kind of how I play. Um, but yeah, it was, it was the coaching staff. It was the, the campus was unbelievable. It was family feel. It was all those cliche things, but it was just the perfect fit for me. Through your recruiting process, don't give the name of the school, obviously, but was there just any bad experiences you had, whether it was on a visit or phone calls with coaches? Um, not necessarily phone calls. I would say there was one school, I think I was like a, I just started my freshman year of high school and they asked me to go like out, like to a party, like the girls after the match wanted me to go out with them. And I was, it was an unofficial, obviously. And, you know, I was trying to be cool. So I was like, yeah, yeah, like I'll go sweet. I've never been to a party in my life. Never did any of that kind of stuff in high school, nothing. And I go ask my mom, she's like, no, you are not going. And I was like, you're right. That's probably a bad idea. And so it was, that wasn't necessarily a quote unquote bad experience, but it was just something now as a college coach, I would be so mad at my kids if they said something yeah. like that to a incoming freshman, you know, in high school, but that wasn't necessarily a bad, it was just kind of like, okay, that kind of showed me what their culture was kind of like, um, just going forward, like things I didn't necessarily love about that school. That was kind of one of them. For sure. Off the record, what's the school? <laughs> I'm not telling you the school. I'm not going to blow them up. It's not not necessary. Damn. I won't do it. Classy. I like that, Krista. Thanks. No, I won't do Loser. it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So then, do you remember if there was anything that, like, obviously it's like you feel like you fit in really well with the tradition and everything that's happening at the University of Washington? Was there anything that Jim said or did too that like put you over the edge and was like, this is it? Yeah. So actually, I don't know. I mean, you've been in the UW film room. So you know how they have the big whiteboard with the slidey boards that come up that have the courts kind of on them, basketball, volleyball, whatever. So I, we go in there to meet with him and he has every board covered with writing. Right. And so I'm like, first of all, I'm like, whoa, that's a lot of reading. Um, and then it's all about what playing at Washington was going to do for me athletically, academically, you know, holistically as a human. Whereas a lot of the other places I visited, it was more like, here's what you're going to do to help our program. You're going to help us, you know, win a Pac-12 championship. You're going to help us do this and this and this. But he's like, here's how I help you, um, help you attain your goals, help you, you know, reach your dreams. Here's what, you know, we're going to do for you. And he had a, a plan, a four-year plan for me um, from start to finish what I was going to do at Washington. So it was, you know, Pac-12 freshman of the year. It was first-team All-Americans. It was all of those things, winning Pac-12 championships, national championships, that stuff. Um, but it was a fairly thick, long document and a fairly long presentation about all of those things. Like, you could tell he put hours and hours and hours of time into this. And it was just different than any other place I had visited before. And I was like, that kind of put me over the edge. I was like, holy crap, he means business. Yeah. So Shows he cares that much. Mm -hmm. Such detail too, it's crazy. Is he like that in general? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's cool. 
<laughs> I would love to be that type of person. Yeah. I'm not either. <laughs> Definitely times in my life I'm like, God, I'd love to be that organized. Do you remember your first day? I sure do. <laughs> How'd it go? I remember leaving and my head hurt so bad. I was more mentally tired than physically tired because I was like, what did I just do? I'm like, I am so confused. Like, am I playing the same sport I've been playing like my whole life? Like, this is a completely different thing. This is just the the verbiage was different. The, you know, I think they assumed I knew some stuff I didn't know. So they were harping on me on things like, I don't know, a back one. If you have two blockers, you're supposed to like creep up for the tip. And they called that filling, they call it filling space on a, on a tight. And I'm like, it's like, Katie, you got to do it. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, I don't even know what a six, they call it a six. You fill space on a six. I'm like, I still, I don't even know what a six is. Like what? And so there was just stuff like that, that I was just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. It was like, you're speaking a different language. Um, but obviously it gets easier as you go. And it's funny now looking back and I think it happens to a lot of incoming freshmen, you know, us coaches think that they know, you know, certain lingo or whatever, and they just don't, um, you know, it just is what it is. So I was just like deer in the headlights a lot. And then I, every swing, I think I got blocked on because we had a 6'6 six, six middle at the time and I've never played against anyone that tall or that physical. And I think I got, I tried to go wrist away every time into her and she just ball hit the ground before I did every time. And I was like, oh Lord, this is going to be a long time. I was struggling. But yeah, it was, I mean, I learned. <laughs> I learned the hard way. You learned fast, that's for sure. That's all. I mean, CT literally said the same thing. She was like, after my first two weeks, I was like, her brain hurts so much. She's like, what yeah. the hell is going on here? Yeah, they, <laughs> like, they, I don't they, know anything. They changed a lot about how I played, you know? It was technique. They were teaching me things I just didn't know before. And so typically you get worse before you get better. So I was like, dang, I suck. Like, what am I doing? Like, this is awful. <laughs> like, it's so hard. Um, and I remember calling my mom before my first match at Long Beach State, which obviously my whole family is there because it's close to home. And... I'm like, mom, don't come. I'm not going to play. Like, it's embarrassing. I'm so bad. And she's like, are you serious? I'm like, no, I'm serious. I'm so bad. She's like, you're just being dramatic, whatever. And uh, I ended up playing, but I really had, did not think, I was like, I'm so bad. Um, but yeah, it was, it was interesting. Uh, first preseason, at least for me. I was, you just, I was going to ask you, how did that just diminish your confidence going into season? But clearly... <laughs> It was it did, quite a bit. Played, it did, but then when I played other teams, I did good. So I was like, okay, maybe this is kind of working. Maybe I, I did need to fix a couple things or here and there. And What's the biggest thing that you fixed? I think it was, well, my left arm sucked always, um, attacking-wise. It still does to this day. Um, and just like passing, just, just mechanically, you know, in club, it was just like get the ball to the target. And in college, you actually have to have some sort of technique because uh, people are good. So probably just passing, calming my body down, all that kind of good stuff. Um, yeah, that was probably the biggest thing. What are some keys that you use for passing now after all is said and done? Yeah, I think uh, keeping your body as calm as possible. Uh, seeing the call it the line of the serve as early as you can and getting your arms in the line as soon as possible um, you know I had trouble with like swinging my arms and the ball goes 
to the stands and stuff like that. So tracking and seeing the ball and seeing the serve as early as you can and just staying really calm with your body and your posture um, as the ball is hitting you. Do you, because I see this a lot in younger athletes because your legs just aren't nearly as developed as when you get older. Do you feel like as you became more physical and you were able to sit a little bit more, that helped you be more calm in your body position and like finding that level of where yeah. the ball's crossing? Yeah, I do. I think you're, you have a better base, right? Like you're just more balanced. Yeah. Um, it's always good. And then just making sure your feet are in like the, the right width, from, you know, you don't want to get too narrow and you don't want to be too wide because then you're not gonna be able to move either way. And if the ball moves on you in the last second, you're kind of screwed. So just having the right distance between your feet and um, staying balanced in that base is super important. And then also not doing too much with your upper body as well as the ball comes up on you. Uh, that also was a struggle for me personally. When balls rise? Yeah. What do you do? Is Jim one of those guys where in preseason you're not allowed to take balls with your hands? No, he let us do that. It was just, if it's high, let it go by. So we were supposed to, you know, drop, drop our shoulders and let the ball go. Yeah. And play outside your body. Um, the biggest thing I talk to our pastors now is just getting your body away from the ball. So you want your arms to be off of your chest a little bit and keep your body away from the ball. So that way, if it does rise on you, you have a little bit of space to give instead of just leaning backwards. Um, and the ball just goes straight up or wherever backwards. For sure. Did yeah. you... When you were receiving, did you try to put the ball in a spot or did you try to put it to the setter? In a spot. Well, there's two different philosophies. There's European, European philosophy is like wherever setter is, put ball there. Yeah. And then there's American where it's like you just put the ball in the middle and then the setter moves there. Put the ball in the middle. Well, uh, Krista, what was your favorite year at UW? <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I would say it was my junior year, uh, 2013, uh, when we played in the Final Four in Seattle. Um, won the Pac-12 that year. is a pretty special uh, year overall. Um, so, yeah, I would say 2013 was my favorite year. Was it just good volleyball that made it a special year? Was it teammates, everything clicking? Uh, I think, yeah, I think it was, it was all of the above, I think. Um, we had a pretty good plan going into the season, kind of where we were at. We, we brought back a lot of the same returners um, from the year before. Um, the year before, um, our setter, it was like Cassie Strickland's freshman year. So it was Cassie, our setter, Katie, both of our middles were freshmen. So we had, I think, four freshmen starting. And we made it to a Sweet 16, and we lost to Nebraska at Nebraska. Um, I think it was in Omaha. And then that next year, they were they were sophomores. Uh, me and our other opposite were juniors, and it was kind of like, okay, this is kind of when we ramp it up. We had a pretty good senior class, too, so it was like, this is the year. Uh, Final Four in Seattle. It's kind of made for us to, to do pretty well, um, and we had great chemistry and great culture just as a group, um, and so it kind of just was was clicking all the way around. Um, had great connections with the setters. You know, our libero is the, one of the best teammates I ever had, um, and so just just working through those things was just made the season super, super special um, just in the long run. What was your leadership responsibility that year? Yeah, we didn't, I was a captain. Um, and I also, we have like a leadership council. So I think there was like four or five of us that would meet with the coaching staff 
uh, weekly just to kind of talk through how everyone's feeling, what's, what's the vibe like, what the coaches need from us. Uh, but yeah, I was a captain that year. We do like an anonymous kind of voting based on certain qualities. Like Jim would hand out, you know, a piece of paper that said, who's the person who blank and then you write in the name basically. Um, so I was voted that. And then I think it was me, Jenna Orlandini and Jane O'Garris were the three captains that year. Um, and yeah, so I was more of the lead by example kind of leader. And I think Jenna and Jenny um, and even Kylan, who was a senior that year too, they were more kind of held people accountable vocally more than me. I was more just like, I come in, I do my work and I, you know, help people when they need to. And then I, I, you know, go. And I think they were more of, and they were also kind of the moms of the locker room. They were the seniors. They kind of kept us anything we needed. They, they had our back. So um, that was kind of the role leadership wise for us. I don't want to go too far ahead, but I think this brings up a good point. As a coach now, now that you have essentially like no physical ability to show, yeah. like you have your consistency or whatever coming in to do your job, but is it hard? Was it hard at the beginning to become like very verbal with your kids or did that come naturally? Um, it was hard. I, I'm still working on it now. Um, I, our head coach always calls me like, I'm very cerebral. Like I, I like to watch and process and then eventually I'll say something, but I'm not impulsive or anything like that. Um, almost to a fault where I watched for too long. And then he's like, yo, you gotta tell him something. Like you gotta tell her something. Um, and so I'm, I'm still working on it, but I'm definitely getting better. Um, I think I have certain connections with certain kids that also helped me kind of, you know, get out of my shell, I guess, a little bit and be more vocal. Um, but I'm definitely still working on it uh, now too, but I'm getting much better. It was hard for me at, at first, but I'm getting better at it. Is it something you just practice? You're just like, I hope this works. And then you just say it. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> and I'm kind of in my head, like I should say this, damn it, here we go. And I just got to say it and see what happens. And, you know, normally it's a good thing. Um, and normally it's, it's, you know, reciprocated well with the kids and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I usually have to like talk myself through it in my head before <laughs> I say it out loud. So I don't sound dumb or stutter or anything like that. So <laughs> Um, going back to your junior year, that was the year that you guys played at SC and were down 0-2 and came back. Yep, solid. Was that <laughs> after that? <laughs> I mean, it was pretty cool. <laughs> after that moment, did you have like a sense of invincibility? Um, yes and no. I think we knew we were playing a good team in Penn State the next match. Um, but I do think we were pretty proud of that resilience that we showed, um, in that match. Um, but, and, and we were going home. So it was like, we've played in that arena before we played the Canadian national team in that building in our preseason. Um, and so we were like, we played there before we beat the Canadian national team in that building. Like we know what it's like to play in key arena. And, um, we were feeling pretty good coming off that win, but I think we knew kind of ahead that it wasn't going to be like you know, all cakewalks is a natty at that point, you know. Uh, I hate to bring this up, oh, but God. what yeah. happened? <laughs> what happened? Uh, Penn State played perfect. Um, they, I mean, they, we were, I don't think that year we were statistically the best blocking team in the country, but we were pretty darn close and they hit like 400. So it was like, you're just, 
it was like we couldn't do anything to stop it. You know, Michael is on fire from the end line. I think she aced me probably four or five times. I was just like, what was my life? Um, you know, she was, they were running stuff over the top of Cassie behind. Like it was, they had a perfect game plan and they executed almost perfectly. Um, and so I feel like now, I mean, it's seven years ago now, which makes me feel super old, but like, I feel like I blinked and the match was over. It was like, there was no, like, I just felt like I couldn't get a grip on anything at that point. Do you remember what your locker room was like before the match? Like, were you guys? <laughs> normal. I mean, we, we used to da have dance parties and all that stuff, the whole normal thing. And I think it was pretty normal. I think no one was like to going into it, like, thinking it was anything different than the match we had played before. Um, it was just Penn State played, and they had been there before. I mean, they're very experienced yeah. in that, you know, situation. They played in a ton of Final Fours at the, by that point. Um, and so I think they just played perfectly, and we had nothing to, you know, stop them at that point. Yeah. Because CT, she said the first year that they went to the national semifinal, everybody was, like, dancing and singing Kumbaya before the match, and, like, they were so pumped. And then the next year they went, everybody was just so zoned in and locked in, like, all right, we're here for business. Like, we're going to win this thing. So I was just curious, like, what your guys' locker room is like. But if it's dance parties and – It was dance parties always. All the time, then, yeah, that's just who you so guys it wasn't know. anything different than before. Um, but, yeah, that's interesting that you say that. If we would have been good the next year, we could have maybe tried again, but we weren't. <laughs> What you guys just lost? We're good. We just had a couple injuries late that kind of struggled to help a little bit. That's god damn it. That hurts her senior year, huh? Yeah, it was really tough. I don't think I took my jersey off for like three hours after the match. I just sat in my locker in my jersey. And my mom was like, "Are you going to come to dinner?" Or I was like, "Nah, I'll see you all tomorrow. I'm going to make it." Oh <laughs> um, Just so sad. Yeah like demoralizing losing the last one is tough yeah we lost at home uh, which was even worse <laughs> who did you guys lose to nebraska nebraska well, nebraska if there's great program great program i'm not gonna say anything bad about nebraska great program i just have a it just hurts you know when you lose you worked that hard for four years and you know you were You'd come off being the number one ranked team in Stanford on, you know, senior night, and then you, you know, have a great start to the tournament, and then just they played good. We lost in four. We won the first set and then ended up losing. And it was tough because our setter tore ACL the last conference match. So, you know, we had a setter playing. Jade was playing. She hadn't played at all. I, I commend her for coming in and, you know, playing like she knew how to play. She was good. And, we just – she just hasn't had much experience as the rest of us, and it just was – it was a tough one to end on, for sure. But got to end at some point, I guess. There's only one team that's going to be happy. Did you – at that time, I don't know how long it lasts, like how long the hangover lasts. But for me, and I've talked about this on this podcast, like I came in with one goal, and I left not making that goal. And I felt like a total failure. Did you feel that same way? Yep. 100%. How long did it stick with you? I mean, I'm still salty to this day, but um, I think, like, 
the biggest thing was just obviously the disappointment and realizing that you're never going to put that jersey on again is like the worst feeling like of all time and it's it's indescribable like you can't until you feel it it's you just don't know um so like I let my teammate like I took a lot of the brows like I let my teammates down I didn't play as well as I should have um I remember the year before that I promised that senior class we were going to do it the next year like and I just didn't come through on any of it so it took a while I think um you know, definitely at least like a week, if not longer to like, I was a sulking. Um, but you know, I, well, at least I got to play after college. There's just some of my teammates didn't. So at least I was still able to play and, um, you know, continue my career, but you know, college is just different, just a different thing. There's so much pride. Yeah. So much pride. So then that summer you go with the national team. Yeah, so I played beach, woo, uh, for Washington in our second season. Um, and then I went and joined the national team in April um, that next summer, yeah. Who was in the gym with you? That was like Christian Hildebrand and Nat Haglin. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a lot of the girls that started coming back from overseas already. So like Kayla was in the gym, Jordan was in the gym, um, Michelle Barch was in the gym. Natalie, Karsta, um, trying to think of other, Kristen Hildebrand, Fluka, like they were starting to kind of roll back and I was like, what did I just get myself into? That was like my first thought, I walked in the gym, I'm like, oh boy, I don't know if I'm ready. How'd you do? How was your first week? I think I actually had a pretty good first week, but I think it was like beginner's luck. Um, because like, and this is, I mean, it's kind of like a freshman that comes in their first, like, non-conference or first, con like, you're not scouted. No one knows how you play. So you come in and you, like, light it up. And they start figuring out what you like to do. And then the second week's a lot harder than the first week because you, like, okay, she likes to hit four to four. I'm going to take that away. And then now what can she do kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. Was it? Because, I, like, I remember talking to you when you were at Washington and you're like, I I got maybe an Olympics in me and then I'm done. Was it yeah. was it hard to play on the national team knowing like if I don't make this like it's over? Um or did that, that cross really, your mind that much? That wasn't really what crossed my mind. I think after listening to Kayla speak about it on your guys' podcast before, I felt the exact like every day is a tryout. And they're watching your every move. And as a 22-year-old at that time, you know, playing with – it's the same thing that happened in club. I was 22, and I'm playing with women that are 30 and have six, seven, eight years of international experience, and I'm, like, can barely pass this, the international ball at that, that point. And it's like, you know, I feel like I'm passing a triangle, <laughs> literally. And so it's it was tough, I mean, and it's and it's – players that I looked up to my whole life like you walk in and you're with Jordan Larson all of a sudden and you're like uh it's a little intimidating um and so that's what that made it more hard for me than knowing that my career could potentially be over in two years after that um it was more of every day's a tryout pressure's on you know you lose this drill it could take you out of a roster or things like that so it was, it was hard for me for sure what were some lessons that you learned from some of the vets, like early in your USA experience? 
Yeah, I think the one one that uh, stuck with me was um, Carly Lloyd. Um, and I grew up watching her play too, um, granted a different position, but you know, she would always come up and make sure I was good. You know, like she would, whether it was just like a high five and like a look in my eye or whatever, make eye contact or whatever, she would always make sure I was good. Um, just mentally and all that kind of stuff. She could kind of tell when I start to like spiral mentally. Um, and so I think that taught me and what I try to teach our kids now here is like those little, you know, two second things that you can do to go out of your way to pick someone else up makes a world of difference. Um, and like volleyball wise, it was just, I had to catch up. I had to catch up speed wise. Like their slides were way faster than anything I had defended before. You know, their goes were way faster than anything I'd hit before. So I just had to catch up and just watching, you know, people like Jordan um, play, it helped me just by watching her, you know, cause she had been doing it for so long. Did you feel like maturity wise, you were ready to be in that gym and be in that situation? Um, I do. Um, I think personality, there's some big personalities in that gym. And I think I kind of, you know, fall back a little bit because I'm just much more introverted than a lot of those people, which good, bad or otherwise just kind of is what it is. Um, and so I, I always say I regret from my national team experience, not being myself sooner and kind of being more reserved or, and, and that goes to personality wise and volleyball wise. Like I wasn't my aggressive, you know, competitive self when I was there, especially early as much as soon as I should have been, if that makes any sense. So um, that's like my biggest regret. I think being in that gym, I think I got intimidated. I think I was overwhelmed at times. Um, and that would be one thing I could change. If I could change anything from that experience, I would have, you know, tried to be myself sooner, but you know, I think maturity wise, I was okay. I was fine. I think it was just personality wise. I just kind of like got more and more into my shell as my time there went on, which should have been the other way around. I think we, did we talk about that on our last podcast, Jackson? That we were, we were discussing how like it's admirable when freshmen or people like their first year on the national team come in and are incredibly poised and have this like reserve about them. where they're like, I know who I am and I know what I want and I know how I'm going to get there. And it's like, it's a trace amount of people, obviously, like the, the Michael Christensen, Jordan Larson's in the world that can just walk in and be like, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. And they can pull it off. But yeah, it's really hard. People don't understand that. It's in, really in, hard. Every walk of life. I'm sure like with you guys, when you walked in to your job at Nevada and your job at Indiana, like it's hard to just walk in and be like, this is who I am. Yeah, for sure. Especially when, I mean, I came in here with almost, I mean, actually no co coaching experience whatsoever. And so I'm sure these girls are looking at me like, what are you going to tell me that I already know? Or, you know, and it's just, that's what you think in your head. But then the girls are just so stoked that you're there, really. But your head, you get all mental about it all. And then, you know, starts to, you got to kind of reset mentally with it, with everything. Yeah. And then you're so worried about like, trying to do things the way the program is and you're trying to learn about the program and the girls. And like, for me, sometimes it's like, Oh, I forgot. I used to do that. Or I forgot about that lesson or something. It's like, that was totally a part of me, but it just, 
it was like delayed for a year or something like that. So yeah. I think that's kind of just becoming more of yourself in the role too. For sure. I agree. It's pretty wild how fast you can adapt to, to a situation and like an environment. Like for me, I, every year my warm-up changes based on like whatever we've done in preseason. And then all of a sudden, like I see somebody do it in a stretch and I'm like, I used to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't I do that anymore? You know what I mean? Like just really yeah, like little idea. stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. Damn. So then you guys, yeah, cool. Like what a hell, gee, what a cool first year though. You go, yeah. we went to Toronto together, which was awesome. That was uh -huh. like the best trip ever. For sure. It was cool that we got to celebrate you guys because we didn't really do anything. Was that Pan Am's? <laughs> Yes, sir. Pan Am Games. Yeah, we blew it. We were up 2-0 on Canada, in Canada, and then we got reverse swept last week. But then, <laughs> but the girls, like, they took their A slash B team, and we took, like, our C plus team. So we're like, hey, you know, like, whatever happens, guys, this is extracurricular. Like, we're just here to prove ourselves. They were in it to win it. So going and watching them was so much fun because we're like they actually have a chance <laughs> yeah it was how, was, fun. Good yeah. how was that experience for you it was sweet i think i mean people call pan am pan am games you know like a mini olympics kind of where there's an athlete village and you get to kind of hang out with everyone and so that part of it was super cool um and then playing was even better because it was like we were playing i mean brazil brought their like a slash B team too. Yeah. Like they had their two best lefts were with them. Um, I think their libero was with them. It was gnarly. It was a good match, and we lost to them in five in pool play, and then we got we got them in the gold medal match. Um, that was a pretty cool uh, experience for sure. It was awesome. And I don't think anybody at that moment in time realized how important that tournament would be in the selection of the Olympic team either, mm -hmm. because. Carly won MVP, yeah, right, and like yeah. I think that kind of solidified that all of a sudden she like took off. Yeah, she's not, and she's a great teammate. So I was rooting for her because I was like, "You're you're dope. I want you to do great <laughs> things." You know, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. What's who? Who are the outsides on that team? Kristen was there. You were Me there. And Kristen Bar and was Barchi there? Kristen was the old dog. Mm -hmm. what you, yeah what did you get was there anything that you learned from her just even if it's just not volleyball like just poise wise or something yeah it was just like kind of staying with it mentally just just keep keep going just keep because she always like she was so good at even when she made an error she was like all right next like again 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 and yeah. even if she was playing terribly or if she was playing great you would almost never know um just because she was just like give me the ball like i'm good i got you whatever and so that was that was pretty cool to see because as someone who's been through it, um, you know, with the national team internationally, I was like, okay, like that's how you're supposed to do things, you know? Yeah. And then you went to Valero. And then I went to Valero. And you guys just crushed the Swiss league. Yeah. It, the Swiss league that year was, wasn't as strong. Um, and we were really, really, really good. Um, and that was a really interesting experience for me because I didn't even play. I, I probably played in 
probably 20, no, that's probably, probably 20 sets over the entire eight months I was there. Um, and it was just, we were, I mean, we were stacked with, you know, players from across the world that had been through it too. I was young, I was the youngest on the team. I, oh no, I wasn't. We had a 16 year old Swiss girl, but I was the second youngest on the team. And it was like, you know, you're here to learn and that kind of thing. And um, yeah, I didn't play a lot, which was really hard for me. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. That's the first time in your life, right? Yeah, pretty much. And there were times and, you know, it's hard to speak to, but there were times where, you know, I felt like I should have been playing, but, you know, it's ultimately the coach's decision. So, you know, as a coach now, I'm not going to bash him because I know how hard it is, but it, you know, you, there's times you feel like you should be and you're not and got to kind of do what's best for the team at that point, you know? How many times do you want to quit? Every day. <laughs> oh no, that was a little dramatic. Um, Probably. Once a week. For once sure. A month, at least if yeah. not once. Um, I, yeah, I wasn't playing overseas. Wasn't for me. I'll just say it like that and say that it's for some people and some people do great and others like me do not. Do you think it would have been easier had you played or do you still Probably. think you just didn't enjoy the lifestyle? I think both. I think it would have, but I think like the downtime and stuff like that, I was still wouldn't have enjoyed. Like I didn't enjoy practicing. I, it like killed my love for the game playing there. Um, and I just was like, I didn't want to practice because the culture with that team wasn't very good. So it was like, didn't matter how hard you played in practice or how good you were in practice. It didn't matter. You weren't going to play. These set people were going to play no matter what. Um, and so it just kills you. You don't want to practice hard if you're not going to get rewarded, you know, like you're not going to get time. So that, that was really hard for me too. It was, it killed my love for the game in a way. And yeah, I'm just lucky I had Natalie Haglin and, and Faluka there with me. Otherwise, I probably would have quit, honestly. Did you did you feel like a resurgence in how much you loved volleyball once you started coaching? Yes. And did I started coaching it? Seattle Juniors 16s, and that's <laughs> what – and I felt love with the game again. So Seattle Juniors 16s, and shout out. They're like sophomores in college now, which also makes me super old. But um, – yeah, once I started coaching them again, I was like, okay, this is I, – I love this game. This is why I do this. How long – did you – so you came back from Valero. And did you go back into the national team gym for a short stint? Yeah, so I was with them basically until they left for Rio. Okay. So I was, a, I was an alternate. So um, I stayed up until the very last practice um, hitting against them. They wanted me to be various attackers from – different teams and I was with them up until the day they left was do you remember what that conversation was like with Karch when he was like we're not going with you yeah I mean it, it comes in an email um well at least it did back then I think he think he's might have changed his methods since then um but you know he sends out an email with the roster uh, and then you kind of meet with him the next day and it's just like, hey, we, you know, you should have, could have been better, you know, ball control wise, could have helped us. I also kind of sprained my ankle that summer. So it kind of set me back a little bit. Um, and he just was like, you know, you've been a great, you know, addition to our gym. Um, and, you know, he hoped I would come back for another quad was something he really emphasized, which was hard because I think walking out of that meeting, I knew I wasn't going to come back. Um, but I didn't want to shut the door because you never know, you know, so I was like, okay, like, you know, maybe I go try to, I was going to go get my master's. Like, okay, maybe if I do school or whatever, I'm going to miss it. And, you know, I can come back next summer. I'll just take a year, you know, not playing pro off and, and then go back. Um, 
but ended up not going back. So here we are. When did you? Where did you get? Where did you get your master's? Uh, the University of Illinois, online. <laughs> I don't know. Bart's trying to teach me the cheers, and I don't know them. <laughs> <laughs> And when did what? you realize you wanted to be a coach? Um, I think so. After I finished with the national team in 2016, um, I moved back in with my now husband, um, and I uh, started working with Keegan and, and stuff at their. You know, I was a program assistant, so I basically helped you know with recruiting without actually going recruiting. So I did all their like mailings and stuff like that. Um, I helped their director of ops with operation type stuff, and then. Um, I would just be in gym and watching practice and stuff. And I think that was when I was like, okay, like this is something I really want to do. And I think my mom, obviously both my parents are club coaches too. So I think it just kind of runs in our blood to be coaches. Um, and so that's when I was like, okay, I think college coaching is kind of my, my next jump. I think um, I wanted to be in college athletics and then, you know, coaching, even with 16 year old club kids was so much fun that I was like, all right, let's see how this can go. How does, how do I merge these two worlds together? And then he did it. Yeah. And then I, I moved to Bloomington, Indiana. Oh, she's a go-getter. Yep. I did it. It's been great. Yeah. Do you like it? I do really like it. Yeah. It's been a really cool experience building a program. Um, from the bottom up. I mean, when we got here, they were one and 19 in the big 10 um, and, you know, beat Rutgers in five, 15, 13. Uh, and so the culture, just sort of learning how to build culture, learning how to recruit, um, learning how to do those things, I think have been invaluable to me, you know, and if I would have gone into a program that was already established, I don't know if I would have learned a lot of those things, those lessons early. Um, so yeah, I'm super grateful to be here and I've learned a ton and we got a good squad. So I'm excited for whenever that we get, they get to play whenever that is. Yeah. So what are you guys up to right now? Are you in the gym at all? Yeah. So we're in our, we went back into eight hours. Um, and so we're in the gym, we do about an hour a day and then we do about, you know, they're in the strength, the weight room three hours a week. Um, and so we're doing it like that. We have a couple, we'll do small groups for right now. Um, and then we'll pick up 20 hours again, kind of late October. Um, but yeah, we're, we have eight freshmen, so we're, we're good in our small groups, just teaching and trying to show them kind of what our um, systems are like and stuff like that. So it's a good mixture. How have you guys approached creating culture? I think that's really, really hard. Anything? It's a really hard question. Um, I think, you know, you gotta have standards. Um, and you got to hold people to standards. And I think, um, you got to bring in recruit kids that are, have fit what you are trying to preach, I guess. So we want gritty, hardworking kids that will, you know, play as hard as they can, no matter what. And obviously physical and talented and all of those things, but the intangibles are really important to us. So we recruit kids that are fit those intangibles, um, and then they come in and they, you know, we had a freshman starter last year. Uh, she was our captain and we're not afraid to throw that onto a freshman because she did everything right. Uh, she comes in early, she watches film, she stays late extra, gets extra reps. Like she does everything right. Um, and so 
we kind of have to start from her a little bit and build out. Um, but you know, there, there have been ups and downs for sure when it comes to that stuff. It's definitely not easy and it's definitely still being built. Um, but yeah, it's not an easy question for sure. Are there some pillars that you guys use or anything that like you can blatantly tell the kids like this is what we look for? Um, I mean, we we're really big on being grateful and thankful for everything that we have. Um, we just know that there's a lot of people in this world who don't have even half of what we have. Um, so we try to remind our players that all the time, especially when, you know, you're in the dog days of season and, you know, you're worried about finals and you have all these other pressures, you know, you're lucky you get to come in and play volleyball, you know, and you're on your afternoons and your free time. Um, so that's something we always come back to. Um, we have something on our wall. It just says, you know, entitled to nothing, grateful for everything. So, you know, we work for what we get basically. Um, you know, we want kids to be great teammates, be loyal. Um, and that, that's kind of a big thing for us. Uh, you know, you say, Matt, you go dive on the ground. I'm going to run after you and high five you, pick you up and bring you back over, you know, and it's those kinds of things that help, you know, build up gyms. Um, and then just playing really hard, you know, we don't, you know, if you get, we don't get aced, we don't overpass, we do those things, they do crunches or something on the ground and they get up right back into it. Um, and so those are some of the big things we're focused on. And I think with eight freshmen, it kind of starts now um, because they can kind of build, start that building that culture, you know, from the couple kids we had from last year that were big in that role too. So with being a good teammate, that's something we use too. Mm-hmm. Um, we rely on our captains a lot, especially with out of the gym stuff. Um, yeah. How much of the, out of the gym, off the court, being a good teammate, are the coaches involved with or you personally involved with? Yeah, I think the girls can relate to me a little bit more because I'm still kind of young, sort of. And, um, you know, I've been in their shoes. And so when it comes to things, you know, socially or when it comes to things, you know, academically, like I've been there, done that kind of a thing. So they rely on me every now and then. Like I have pretty good relationships with them, but we do rely on our captains a lot. Um, to let us know kind of what's what's the vibe of the team right now. Um, let us know like off the court stuff. Hey, so-and-so is really struggling in this class. She's talked to me about it. Uh, maybe you should talk to her um, or things like that. I think we rely on them a lot too, but I, I definitely am involved and I think the girls feel comfortable enough um, reaching out to me to ask questions or how would you handle this or things like that. So it's a, it's a pretty cool, cool role for me. I, I personally really enjoy it because that's why I got into coaching is to help kids have the best student athlete experience possible. So, you know, if I can be a big part in that, it means a lot to me. So. uh, It's just so unique. I've been out of the game for so long because I've just been playing pro and pro is such a unique situation in comparison to college. Cause you're, I mean, you're paying people to do their job, right? Right. But at the end of the day, so much of pro is player-driven versus right. coach-driven. Because it's like, if you want to get the best out of your teammates, like you're going to have to have some really hard conversations in private or on the court or whatever it may be. Do you feel like I – I don't want to phrase this wrong because I think it's really important. Do you – what it where's the balance for you of like kids being vulnerable 
to uh, like feedback and them also being willing to like fight for their own character. It's hmm. an interesting question. Are you talking about like- Like if that, if that makes sense. So like when kids talk to each other, right? And we, we just had a conversation about this too. When you're in the heat of battle, you say a lot of dumb stuff. Oh yeah. A lot of dumb stuff, you know, that like you're gonna have to hash out later. And with you guys, now that you guys are in practice and or in the past year that you guys are competing, uh, when you're losing a lot, I'm gonna take a wild guess and say there's not a lot of conversations happening. Right? Yeah. A lot of people are just burying things and it's like we just stuck. Like we're just yeah. giving up, it's over, we're not gonna acknowledge what's happening. Have are you encouraging them to have a lot of tough conversations with one another now? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think one line I learned from Keegan, and he's the king of uh, good phrases and, and one-liners, but uh, is conflict doesn't age well. So, you know, you have an issue with someone or some, someone something said or something someone said, and you got to address it before, because otherwise it's just going to stew and you're going to feel bad and that other person's going to feel bad for a long time. And the quicker you get it over with and nip it in the bud, the quicker it's over and everyone can move on. Yeah. And so I think it's hard, especially when kids aren't confrontational or they don't like thrive under those situations to have those conversations. But I think that there's something that needs to be said. Um, and I think, especially when they're maturing and they're growing up and they're figuring out who they want to be and all of these things, um, having those conversations is super, super important. Do you feel like your freshman setter is pretty... I'm going to take a while, I guess, and say she's probably exceptional at doing that role. Yes. And the thing with her, she's not very, she's not a serious human being. Like she's very like silly and goofy and fun. Yeah. And so we have a senior, a fifth year senior setter who's also a captain. So they kind of balance each other out. She's a little yeah. bit more serious. Um, but they're both pretty good about addressing things when things need to be addressed. And we have um, a junior outside hitter who, has been with us since her freshman year too. So she kind of knows what we want. So she also kind of will like chime in every now and then too. Um, but yeah, I think they're, they're getting better at having those conversations. I think before it was just like, you know, they'd yell at each other or so-and-so said this, like, I can't believe it. And then it would just kind of, you know, fester instead yeah. of just getting to the point quickly and being over it and moving on. I feel like guys are so good at that because guys are just like, yeah, you said this, hurt my feelings, you're the worst. Okay, cool, we're good now. We're bros, like, we're done. You know, and girls are the, like, girls are so emotional and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of handled a little bit differently, I think. Yeah, I think Maddie and I have had this conversation about, like, her and her pro team. It's yeah. even hard for them to address a lot of things just based on sex. Yeah. Like, they're just like, uh... She's like, I want to say things, but I know it's going to hurt them for the next two months. No, for sure. We don't get over it. That's the <laughs> girls don't get over it. They hold on to that forever. Yeah. You know, and like, um, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you for men. I, I, we've talked about it um, with like my old college teammates. We wish we would have been a lot harder on each other. We wish we would have crushed each other a lot more. But we were like so in love with each other <laughs> that we were like, guys, like it's cool, man. Don't worry about it. 
But when we were competing, like when we were actually competing, you could say anything you wanted and nobody was going to take it seriously because you're in the heat of battle. Um, were you guys like that at Washington too? Or were you guys just like in it? You were just constantly competing. You could crush each other. And it didn't matter. Um, I think that there were people that could handle it better than others. Um, yeah. Like I just remember a specific drill and uh, we had our volunteer, we were working on triple blocking the left. So we had to triple block the left and then our, like the left side had to get a certain number of kills before we'd get out of the drill basically. And it was like transitioning from the triple block outside, whatever. So you kind of get a little you know, out of breath, we'll call it to say nice, nicely. Um, and so we're in this drill and I'm the one that's working on the triple blocking move and our volunteers just putting in like easy down balls, like the liberos to try to just work on this transition pattern. And this is, she's one of my best friends. She was in my wedding. She didn't get a ball. And I've been in this drill for like 10 minutes. I'm like dying. And she just didn't go for a ball or something. And I was like, I don't remember exactly what I said to her, but it wasn't nice. And, uh, afterwards in the in the locker room after I went up to her and I was like I am so sorry I didn't mean it like I was dying it was the worst drill ever I was you know over it and she was like yeah no worries like I knew you weren't that mad at me she, you were just mad at the drill and I was like yeah so it's just things like that you just gotta I mean I probably said some choice words that I won't say here but um and I'm I'm obviously like I said I'm extremely competitive you know there's another time where Chrissy Jones is blocking on the on the right and uh, Karsta, we're playing UCLA at home. Karsta's hitting on the left uh, on the other side. And we were always taught not to reach out when you block. You always want to reach back into the court for certain reasons. And uh, Chrissy got beat and she reached out, but stuffed Karsta. And so she's super fired up because she's a freshman and she made a huge play. And it was at the like good point in the game. It was like 24 all or something. UCLA calls a timeout and she'll tell you to this day, I think I like grabbed her jersey and I was like, don't effing do that again. Like, <laughs> not reach out. And she's like looking at me and I'm a senior and she's a freshman. And she's like, cause I was in middle back. So I could see it just perfectly. Like I could see her just reach and it was, you know, she got lucky. Um, and so, but then afterwards I talked to her after the match. I'm like, hey, she's right next to me in the locker room. So I'm like, Chris, I'm sorry. Like, She's like, no, she, I shouldn't have reached out. That was stupid, whatever. And I'm like, hey, it's fine. Like, we, we won the match. So, but it's about having those conversations. Like, you get competitive, you get heated. Um, but it's all about having each other's back in the, in the long run, I think. So. The young guards are really tough because you don't know. You don't know them. And you know they're young. And you know they're stressed. And, like, so, like, angsty about making the right impression. So if, if you kill them once the wrong time, they legit might never recover. Yeah. Luckily she did. She ended up having a great career, but yeah, for sure. She will still tell you to this day about that moment. I'm sure. Cause she brought it up the last time I saw her. She's like, do you remember when? <laughs> like, what are you going to say? Jeez. I said, now you guys can laugh about it instead of like, yeah, and it's about having the conversation early, right? Having it early, for sure. figuring it out. She's right next to you, you have it right now. Yeah. You never know. We could just not be friends. I don't know. Seven years later, who knows? It was it? We were in practice one day, and we had this freshman, Colby Harriman. And this kid's favorite, I mean, he hit low seam six every ball. Every ball, right? And he got away with it in club. And then all of a sudden, he has 
some big boys on the other side. So like I keep setting them and he just is getting jetted with this, like this kid, Matt Tarantino's left hand just over and over and over. And eventually he free balled the ball to me and I punted it in the stands. I was like, I'll set you this ball if you hit anywhere, anywhere in Malibu, but to position six, <laughs> anywhere. And he destroyed this ball like sharp cross. And I got all up in his grill and I was like, that's what you're talking about, man. <laughs> and the next ball he proceeded to get jetted, like just straight down <laughs> position six, you know, but I was like, at least I got one point out of him. Yeah. You got to teach them early, but you have to pick your times because it's the same thing in coaching. You know, you want to teach them lessons, but they're, you know, already spiraling mentally. You don't want to make it worse because they know they're not playing well or whatever. You got to pick your moments kind of to, you know, teach them lessons, I guess. For sure. Do you feel like a lot of those lessons come off the court more than on the court? Um, I feel like it's probably like 50, 50. Um, it also kind of depends on the kid's background, I think. Um, and I think those lessons come off the court at some point, you gotta have conversations about what they're doing and, you know, who they're dating and where, if that makes sense to like, I gotta really lock in with them on those couple of these things, but, um, just, yeah, I think it comes on the court too. In practice, you know, like we're talking a lot about body language with our kids right now. Like we have our eight freshmen, one kid makes, you know, a couple errors in a row and she looks like you killed her puppy. And you're like, dude, you hit three balls out of bounds because you're too early. And I told you you were too early every single time. How about try something new? It's the same thing when you're talking about hitting low steam. It's like, just try something different. Be late and see what happens. Um, yeah. And so, you know, when she's in that mode, I got to talk to her about her body language. But I'm not going to worry about, like, the volleyball type stuff. I'm going to worry about, you know, how she's dealing with these things mentally. Um, so she's not allowed to be frustrated. You're not an All-American yet. You can't be mad at yourself. You've been playing volleyball for, in college for five minutes. That's what I always tell her. <laughs> a child. I might steal been, that one. Paul, you've been a college volleyball player for literally a month. Like, you're okay. We'll figure this out. I promise. Get over yourself. That's a – I have that tendency when I work with, like, younger kids and, like, they start getting frustrated. I'm like, get over yourself. You don't know anything. Yeah. You don't know anything. And they're like, well – I'm like, you don't know anything. And when you do know what you're doing, you'll be retired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Yeah, it's terrible. I know now when I was playing, I would have been way better than I was. Yeah, I think about that. I look back on my college career or even my first couple of years of pro, and I'm like, what was I doing? What was I thinking out there? Well, that's a, that's a good thing. That means you have grown. If you're the same guy, there's really something wrong with you. Uh, that's point. Yeah, or like reliving the glory days. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Good old Uncle Rico. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Jeez. Well, Krista, I think we're good here. Cool. I, I, see, I see you. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were waiting to drop that this whole time. Yeah, man. You know where it comes from? No. Unbelievable. Have you, you ever worked with Marv? I have. Well, only once. Uh, twice. Anytime. Can I tell you my Marv story? Because I know you were telling Marv's yeah, story. Yeah, tell us a Marv story. 
I love Marv. He's the best. But so I'm a helping at Washington, you know, program assistant. I'm just like helping with whatever. They have the GMS clinic. And I come into work that day and I'm wearing like Lulu leggings and like, you know, Air Maxes, right? Like not volleyball shoes. Like they're just like to walk around in to help carry water is what I thought I was going to do. Carry, you know, GMS books around. And I walk in and Keegan's like, yeah, you're with Marv today. And I'm like, what do you mean I'm with Marv today? That like, means you're in the demos. Am I going to bring him lunch? Like, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> He's like, no, like you're his court, you know, demonstrator. And I'm like, okay. So I'm like, I don't know. What I'm like, okay, I can do a few approaches here and there. Like I can hit some balls. That's fine. Next thing I know, he's trying to teach him how to do stride slides. Yeah. And I'm like, Mark, you know, girls don't really do stride slides. You know, like, we don't really do that. And he's like, no, you're going to do it. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. Because I'm not going to tell Marv no. So he has me, like, in middle back on Washington's, like, wood floor. That's, like, the stickiest floor of all time. And I go and I rip, like, a full-on hole in these, like, <laughs> I'm like Mark, he's like, it's okay, it's okay, you're fine. And I've never done a stride slide in my life. He made me do probably 30 in a row until I got it right. And I was yeah. like, oh my gosh. But no, I love Marv. And all the stories he would tell were so funny. I don't remember any of them, but yeah, that's my Marv story. Just a solid I, one. I love that he bowls that ball so fast on the stride slide too. He just makes you go, and you're like, I'm in the stride slide all of a sudden. <laughs> He's like, just go. You'll figure it out. I'm like, okay. I like feel bad in front of these coaches. I have no idea what I'm doing. Terrible demonstrator. And then, yeah, and then you do the demo, right? And he goes, go be like Krista. And then he just walks away. <laughs> You're, like, <"What> the <laughs> You're like, I'm like, don't be like me. I obviously, yeah, by the look yeah. of my leg here, I don't have any idea what I'm doing. So, yeah, no, I definitely, you know, just dripping sweat. Like, just, I was like, cool. I came to work to, you know, hand out flyers today and I ended up doing stride slides for 20 minutes yeah yeah he has that tendency he also if you do it really well the first time he's just like that's pretty good and then he'll make you do it 20 times <laughs> regardless because he thinks it's so cool <laughs> that is true that is yeah. true yeah. Guy, dude. oh I miss that guy you I wish I wish both of you would have been able to work at Pepperdine camp at one time in your life. Me too. Just to uh, experience his like wrath. Because <laughs> his wrath, you're on eggshells the whole time. Because all you're thinking is, I don't want to get in the plus five. I don't want to get in the plus five. I don't want to get in the plus five. And there's people like Lance Walker that walk around and they're like, he's like, hey, hey. You got your keys on. You're in the plus five for sure. And he's just freaking you out the whole time. And then uh, you're usually in the plus five your first year, and he just lights you up, man. It's brutal. It's so brutal. But uh, no, he's a man. He gets it. He gets it. He's like 73 or whatever, and he's with it. Still with it. He's in the know. Occasionally, what does he do? He goes, uh, he'll like give you, a, he usually handshakes, and then sometimes he'll give you like a little fist bump. And if you go in with a fist bump and he goes in with a fist bump, then all of a sudden he just opens his hand and goes, Well, it's cool. <laughs> oh boy. My man. What a guy. Anyways, yeah. 
Krista, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was awesome. Yeah, thank you for your time. Yeah, no worries. Lovely. It's nice, it's nice to see you. It's been like five years. No, I'm glad you're still kicking there. I was worried about you for a little while, but I'm glad you're still going for it. That's, I'm going to take that as a compliment. Thank you for <laughs> caring. Glad you're still going. Thank Killing you. It. Thank you. Yeah. Say hi to Duncan for me. I will. I will.